We are in the middle of chapter 46, and we're learning about the incredible fusion that happens of the Jewish person's soul with Hashem when they study, study Torah and when they do a mitzvah, and it really doesn't matter what level that we're at. You can be the greatest tzaddik and you can be the lowliest person. When you're doing a mitzvah, your soul is fused with Hashem. The difference between a tzaddik and everybody else is that the tzaddik feels it and everybody, everybody else doesn't. But when a person is doing a mitzvah, we have to stand up for them, no matter what their spiritual level, because Hashem is literally clothing himself in their soul at that time. But we don't feel it. And this is a condition that's really specific to the time of exile, where there's such a prevalent darkness that we have no sense of the godliness that we experience. It's an incredible story. Our school girl has in the introduction to the Kinnis. They quote from the Ramah, Rabbi Misha Israelis, a famous <laughs> Jewish codifier, writes down an incredible story that was passed down by tradition. And this was when Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Bavel, came to destroy the first base of Mekdash. Plato was with him. Mm-hmm. And as they were leaving the Temple Mount, Plato sees Yirmiyahu the prophet crying. And he says to Yirmiyahu, he says, Yirmiyahu, Jeremiah, a man of your intellectual capabilities, a man of your mind, are you going to sit there and cry over sticks and stones? That's my first question. And my second question is, it already happened, so why cry now? And he said, Plato, you're a Greek philosopher. People look up to you for your wise mind. You must have some questions that bother you. And Plato said, indeed, I do. And he started to list one after one some questions that were boggling his mind that he couldn't get to the depth of it. And Yirmiyahu, in a few brief sentences, resolved Plato's issues. Mm-hmm. Plato was blown away and he said, wow, such profound wisdom. Is, is it even possible for a mortal man? And he said, this wisdom that you praise me for, I got it from those sticks and stones. Mm-hmm. And for your second question, why do I cry over something that happened in the past? But you're a non-believing philosopher, so I can't tell you because you won't understand. Wow. So with the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, something terrible happened. Even a simple person had some revelation of godliness in this world. They would go to the Beis HaMikdash and they would have some level of sensation, perception of the divine. But once the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed and now we're in exile, the darkness is so prevalent and it's so overwhelming that we could be totally fused with Hashem and yet have no sensation of it. But we're going to look at the words from Tehillim, from Asaf. He's going to say that, yes, it's true. I don't feel it, but it's happening. And I'm always with you. This is also the meaning of what Asaf said under divine inspiration on behalf of the whole community of Israel who were later to be in exile. The barriers that conceal holiness are particularly strong during the time of exile. Concerning that time, Asaf said, Vani va'ar eda, imach va'ani tamid imach. And I am foolish and know not. I was as a beast before you, yet I am continually with you. This means that even though I am as a beast when I am with you, even when I perform a mitzvah, and then thus united with you, I'm still like a beast. This means that even though I am as a beast when I am with you, even when I am perf- when I perform a mitzvah and thus I am united with you, I am still like a beast. So I am united with you, 
My soul is totally fused with you, but I'm like a beast. My soul being unaware of and insensitive to this union achieved between my soul and Hashem through performing a mitzvah. So what's happening? We're doing a mitzvah and our soul is totally fused with Hashem in perfect union as Hashem is at his essence. But I don't feel it. I don't feel it. I'm like a beast. So we're literally like an animal. The fusion is total. The fusion is complete, but we're like an animal. We don't feel it. But still, I am always with you. I am always with you. My soul is totally fused with you, but I'm like an animal when I am with you because I don't feel it. Herbert gives an amazing analogy of a human being carrying explosives and dangerous materials on his back and a donkey carrying all those same dangerous stuff on his back. The human being is terror and perspiring, and the donkey is just doing the way he carries anything else. Does that make the explosives any less dangerous? The explosives are explosives. The donkey is not aware. That's us. We are literally fused with Hashem at the time of a mitzvah, but we just don't feel it. The fact that we don't feel it, it doesn't detract from what's going on. I am like an animal, but... I'm always with you. The fusion is total. The fusion is complete. And the fusion is where Hashem is at his essence. Like we learned last class, this is the level that surrounds all worlds. This is, this is the level of Kodesh Elyon, the supreme holiness. This is where we're fusing with Hashem, literally like man and wife. And he's literally raising up to his level, Kodesh Elyon, where he's totally apart and separate from everything. It's happening, but I don't feel it. I don't feel it because my body doesn't let me feel it. And especially during the time of exile, during the time of exile, the obscurity is so strong, so strong. We don't have what we had during the time of the temple. The time of the temple, the Jewish people had some awareness of godliness, even a simple person, a great person at a very high level, a simple person had some level from festival to festival. They would draw this inspiration to carry them through till the next festival. But we're in a state where our soul is literally one with Hashem and we're like an animal. Put an animal in the palace, he acts the same as the barn. He doesn't know where he is. That's us. But it doesn't take away from what's happening. The previous Rebbe would tell a story, an anecdote of scholars that are traveling to a convention. So there's three minds going on on this trip to the convention. There's these Brilliant scholars, and they are discussing deep ideas. <laughs> then there is the coachman. What is he thinking about? The handsome fee that he's going to collect when he finishes taking them to their destination. And then there is the horse. What is he thinking about? The hay that he's going to eat when he finally arrives. Then the previous Rebbe asks, and because the horse is thinking about hay, are the wise man not wise? It doesn't detract from what's going on. They're discussing the most brilliant ideas. Their ideas are brilliant. It doesn't matter what the horse is thinking about at that time. What's going on? Our soul is totally fused with Hashem during the act of a mitzvah. Our soul is totally one with Hashem when we study Torah. Literally complete fusion. Don't feel it. My body blocks me from feeling it. But it's really, really happening. Even though I'm like an animal. I'm like an animal, but I'm always with you. I just have a question. Yeah. I mean, I think we've been told that unless you have bring the Kedusha, that it's not on that level, right? So we're going to discuss that at length in the next chapter. 
The fusion is total. And our level of kavana does a few things. One of the things that it does is it allows us to feel what's happening. So when we're in tune and we have kavana, then it affects us more. The other thing is that it affects the world more. Because when you see the act that we're doing, while we have the kavana, you can see that this act is about Hashem. And it has a much more profound effect on the world. But no matter what level of kavana that we have, when we are doing a mitzvah, we are totally fusing with Hashem. Kavana is important, and we're going to discuss it at length next chapter, Brothers Hashem. So I don't, we're back to the words of Asaf. He's saying that I'm like an animal with you. I don't feel, and I don't, I'm unaware, and I'm insensitive to this union that's being achieved between my soul and Hashem when I do a mitzvah. If I were aware, what would happen? Which should bring down upon it fear and awe first, followed by a great and pleasurable love that experiences delights, a love wherein the soul delights in godliness, or a love like fiery flames of ardent longing for godliness. So if a person were to be aware of what was happening, Think about yourself in the presence of a very holy person all of a sudden. The first thing that you're going to do is feel awe. You're just going to be in reverence. You're going to feel small. That's going to be the first feeling, a sense of overwhelm. And after that, you're going to suddenly want to be close to them. You're going to want to have a relationship with this person. Well, then take it up to Hashem, greater than any being. If we would feel our union with him, the first thing we would do is be overwhelmed with awe. That was the first, that would be our first reaction. And after that, we'd be overcome with love. Depending on our makeup, that's the kind of love we would have. Either it would be a love like a pleasurable love, or it would be a love of passionate, fiery love where we're yearning to be connected to him. That would be our feeling. But we don't feel that. We're like an animal. They say about the Rambam that they would have to hold him down what he put on tefillin because he would be trembling. And you think about the Rambam, you think like deep intellectual, right? They would have to hold him down because he felt what was going on when he put on tefillin. Now, there are tzaddikim that you would look at them and they didn't seem to have any outward emotion when they were doing a mitzvah. But let us not kid ourselves. They definitely were experiencing it. And we don't know about it. Like, for example, the Mithila Rebbe, his hat would be dripping with perspiration when he davened, even though you couldn't see any outward movement. So even though we, there would be righteous people that you wouldn't see their emotions outwardly, or the risener, his clothes would be soaked after he davened, but outwardly he looked calm. So they experienced this in a very deep way, and that's because their body has been refined. Their body doesn't pose a barrier for them feeling this, but our body poses a barrier for us to feel it, but in, in no way interposes between what's actually happening. It doesn't stop the union. It only stops us from feeling the union. So back to the tzaddikim. Like the quality of the tzaddikim whose corporeality has been refined. When tzaddikim perform a mitzvah, they actually feel how it unifies their soul with Hashem. This in turn awakens within their soul a feeling of fear and awe of God, followed by a feeling of intense love of Him. This, of course, is not the case of those who feel not. You know, when we do a mitzvah, like we learned earlier in this chapter, we're, we're literally like the Merkava. We're like that divine chariot. 
Rabbi Steinzel says, you know, the Merkava. This is the vision of the prophets. They saw the Merkava. This is not something that we see. This is what we are at the time that we're doing a mitzvah. When we do a mitzvah, we are the highest HaKadosh, the holy animals. We are the Seraphim. And yet we don't feel like the Seraphim. These angels, their emotions are overwhelming. We don't feel that way. But we are literally the Merkava. We are literally the divine chariot when we do a mitzvah. Why don't we feel it? Because our body was not refined. There are people whose body is refined. They feel the union that's happening when they do the mitzvah. So we're looking at this and we're saying, okay, so what did Asaf say? He said, I was like an animal and I didn't know. What does that mean? I didn't know. We're not talking about lack of information. There are plenty of people who study and study and study and they know. They have a lot of facts. They have a lot of information but they don't feel it. Even though they have a lot of information, they don't feel it. So here the Alter Rebbe is classifying the term da'as for us. What does it mean da'as? Da'as is not just information. It's not just a collection of facts. Da'as is connection. Da'as is where emotions are evoked. A person can know something, they can understand something, but if there's no da'as there, there's no emotional response. If there's no emotional response, we know that there was no das there. So it's not just about information. It's having the connection. It's having the emotional response. And so this is what the author is telling us now. For as is known, the term das connotes a sensitivity of the soul. And this is comprised of chaset and gevura. So because das is what triggers, is what gives birth to love and fear, which are from chesed and gevura, and any emotions. Obviously, the essence of these emotions are already in das. So das has within it chesed and gevura. The, the author only specifies chesed and gevura because these are the two main emotions, and all other emotions are either permutations or combinations of these two main emotions. In order to have an emotional response, there has to be das. What's das? It's not information. Das is connection. Das is relating to what you've learned internalizing what you know. There's a story of a famous professor. He taught ethics in university and he was caught doing something immoral. He said, we don't understand you. You are the professor of ethics. How could you be doing something immoral? He said, and so what? I also teach mathematics. Am I a triangle? (laughs) (laughs) He knew, but it didn't affect him. There was no change within him. There was no emotional response. Da'as means you're changed because of it. Da'as means it affects you emotionally. So when Asaf is saying on behalf of the Jewish people in exile, and I didn't know, he means I didn't have da'as. I may have had information, but if no, it's not affecting my soul. There's no emotional response here. I may know a lot, but when I'm doing the mitzvah, I don't feel what the tzaddik feels. Why? Because I'm lacking da'as. I'm lacking connection to the things that I know. Chesed gives rise to love and gvur to fear. Only when a person possesses the attribute of da'as and spiritual sensitivity will one experience the kinds of love and fear of Hashem described above. Nevertheless, I am continually with you for the corporeality of the, of the body does not prevent the union of the soul 
with the light of the blessed Ainsel who fills all worlds. Corporeality can only prevent the soul from being conscious of its unity with Hashem as it, as in as much as it hinders the revelation and awareness of the unity accomplished during the performance of a mitzvah. It cannot, however, hinder the actual unity objectively affected. So all it can do is it can stop us from feeling what is happening. But what is actually happening, the union, it cannot stop. Why? Because Hashem fills all worlds. And here we're not talking about the level that we talk about, you know, the Mali Kalman and Slaviv Kalman, that level that is intimate with the world. Here we're talking about the actual fact that Hashem's essence, Hashem's space where he surrounds all worlds because the worlds cannot relate to him, actually fills everything and nothing can stand in the way of it. Nothing can prevent the union from happening. So what's going on? This union is happening. What is my body doing? Not letting me be conscious of it. It's not letting me feel it. If I were to feel it, I'd be in awe. I'd be overwhelmed with reverence. I'd be in love. Why am I not feeling that instantly? Because my body is not refined. And because my body is not refined, I don't feel what these great can feel. But the body is only effective as far as me feeling it. But as far as getting in the way of what's actually happening, it cannot get in the way. It can't get in the way because Hashem fills every space. And as we visited before, the concept of symptom where Hashem contracts himself to make the world, from his perspective, perspective, nothing changed. Everything is totally fused for, with him. From our perspective, there has been a change. And in fact, our perspective has a truth to it, which is why we have to do a mitzvah, because it does mean taking something that is non-sacred and making it sacred. But when it comes to the mitzvah, our space is Hashem's space. We're in that space where there is no symptom. We're literally one with him. The body can't prevent that. It can prevent us from feeling it, but in no way can it get in the way of this union actually happening. So we started off this chapter realizing that there's a simple way of coming to love Hashem, and it's knowing how much he loves us. When we know how much he loves us, can't help but love him back. Do you know that every time we do a mitzvah, every time we study Torah, we're literally fused with him? True, we don't feel it, but that's because our body prevents us from feeling it. What our body doesn't prevent is the actual occurrence of us becoming one with Hashem. He wants us. He draws us close. He gave us, gave us himself in giving us the Torah. Look how much he loves us. Can we not love him back? And it's true. Our body doesn't let us feel what is happening, but it is happening. And it's a strong condition that affects us during the time of exile. But even though we're like an animal and we really have no idea of what's going on, it's all happening. And I'm always with you, always with you, even though I don't feel what is going on. Okay, now we're going to look at something very interesting. We're going to look at the fact that there's no difference between a tzaddik and an illit illiterate ignoramus when it comes to this fusion. Because we've been saying that again and again in this chapter, knowing what we know, that there's no difference between a tzaddik and an illiterate person when it comes to doing a mitzvah. The tzaddik soul is fused with Hashem. The illiterate person is fused with Hashem. It helps us realize something about the Torah's punishments, why there's no difference between one person and another. There's a joke. There's an artist called Gadi Polak. He writes some profound children's comic books. I think they're called Once Upon a Tale. They all have similar names like that. And he has this comic where Fischl, who's a fool, 
His wife asks him to go get new laundry rope. Her laundry ain't her. Her laundry line is broken and she needs a new laundry line. So she said, Fischl, the laundry line is broken. Go get me a new laundry line. Says, okay. Walks outside and he sees these strong, sturdy poles. Looks up and he sees fit cord going across the poles. Wow, that looks like an extra sturdy laundry line. I think my wife would like that. So he first checks to see, could these poles stand without those ropes? Shakes them, they are sturdy as ever. Okay, doesn't look like those ropes are needed. He starts climbing up the pole and all of a sudden, tons of soldiers come and grab him because he's about to cut the army communication line. (laughs) So they put him in handcuffs, they bring him to the general and they say, who are you here for? Who are you spying for? On whose behalf are you working? And he looks at them, he says, my wife. She needed a new laundry line, and these poles looked like they were pretty sturdy without them. And the general starts laughing, and he said, oh, he's just an imbecile. He's not a spy. Give him a kick and send him home. Okay, so he wasn't going to get punished. Why? Because he didn't know what he was doing. Let's say he actually cut the line. It really doesn't matter who cut the line. He can be a fool, and he can be a spy. He really did something very serious. He really did something very serious. Well, that's The story, when it comes to the holiness of Shabbos, when it comes to the holiness of Pesach, it doesn't matter what you know. The holiness that shines in your soul at that time is the same as the holiness that shines in the soul of the tzaddik. And now we can understand why the Torah's punishments are so severe. Because there's an incredible level of holiness within a person's soul. It's subjective. It's not about the act that they're doing. It's about Within them, what's going on? Within them, they're experiencing an extreme holiness. He doesn't feel it. It doesn't matter. It's happening anyway. And when a person desecrates a holiness of that level, then the repercussions are severe. It's like, you know, there's the holiness of the base Hamekdash, and then there's the holiness of the Kaidish Hakadashim, the holy of holies. Only the Kohen Gadol can go there, only on Yom Kippur. Because the holiness there is so supreme. Yeah, within our soul on Shabbos, within our soul on Pesach, there's a very high level of holiness. It doesn't matter what level that we're on. We could be a tzaddik and we can be a complete ignoramus. We experience the very same high level of holiness in our soul on the, on those holy days. And which is something that we should be cognizant of and tap into. You know, the learning that we do on Shabbos is always better. And if we are careful with the things that we're supposed to be careful with on Shabbos, we experience that holiness in a whole new special way. You know, even things like people are not necessarily careful of like, don't talk about the news or mundane things on Shabbos. Guess what? Get into that space because your soul is there. So forget about that, the world for those 25 hours of Shabbos and get into that space where you have an Ashama Yaseira. All the worlds are elevated on Shabbos. It's happening anyway. You might as well tap into it. But even if a person doesn't tap into it, it's happening to them and they're not feeling it. Uvazah, accordingly, since as above, every Jew who performs a mitzvah is granted the unity and sanctity of supreme holiness, even when he does not perceive it, as does a tzaddik, Yuvan one will be able to understand the severity of the punishment for transgressing the prohibition of work on Shabbos or that of leavened bread on Passover, which applies equally to all. 
The very same severe punishment applies equally to the loftiest tzaddik and to the coarsest bore, where either of them, heaven for friend, to tr- transgress one of the above mentioned prohibitions. The reason? For even in the soul of an uncultured and completely illiterate person shines the light of the sanctity of Shabbat or festival, hence he faces capital punishment by Karis for eating leavened bread on Passover and stoning for doing a prohibited form of labor on Shabbos for the profanation of this sanctity which illuminates his soul. Though a particular individual may not feel the sanctity, still, as explained earlier, this sanctity does indeed illuminate his soul. This being the case, the soul of this individual is tainted by his misdeed in a manner equal to that of a tzaddik in similar circumstances. It is for this reason that the manner of punishment applies equally to all. So some people naturally feel Shabbos. You know, the Rizhaner, when he was a little boy, he was studying Talmud with his teacher. And the Talmud has a passage describing what should a person do if they get lost in their travels and they don't know what day of the week it is and how they count, and what actions they should do, and what actions they shouldn't do. And the little Yisrael looks at his teacher, and he said, I'm so sorry, I don't understand. How could somebody not know when it's Shabbos? You just look up at the sky. The sky looks different on Shabbos. Mm -hmm. So this was the Rizhadur. He couldn't understand what does it mean not knowing when it's Shabbos. The whole world is different on Shabbos. How could you not know? You have a calendar in the sky. But that's the Rizhadur. For the rest of us, we don't feel it. And yet, it's literally and truly happening in our soul. At that time, we have a such high level of sanctity that even the smallest scratch hurts. The smallest scratch makes a difference, even if we're not aware of it, even if we don't feel it, but that's what's happening for us. And it should make us realize how close we are to Hashem and the sanctity that He gives us. He literally fuses with us and gives us from His very holiness. Because we're on such a high level, then the littlest scratch hurts. When you're in that space, the littlest scratch hurts. Similarly, the transgression involving even the slightest amount of leaven on Passover or the moving of muqsa on Shabbat blemishes the sanctity which rests on his, the uncultured person's soul, just as it would the sanctity of a soul of a tzaddik. And here the altar was saying, we're talking about muqsa, we're talking about eating uh, slightest amount of leaven. These are rabbinical prohibitions. If there would be a difference between a tzaddik and an illiterate person, then there would be a difference in, first of all, the biblical punishments. For this guy, the punishment wouldn't be so severe because he has a much lower level of holiness in his soul. And for sure, the rabbinical prohibitions wouldn't apply. I mean, it's like, you know, to take the difference between a basic earthenware vessel or a very expensive ornate golden vessel. A little scratch on an earthenware vessel will not lower its value. A little scratch on an ornate, expensive, studded golden vessel is going to really depreciate its value. So you can say, well, but Sadik, he's like that vessel. He's the one who has true fusion with Hashem. He's the one who really has holiness in his soul and Shabbos. So for him, we understand such a severe punishment when it comes to biblical prohibitions and these rabbinic prohibitions help him stay tuned so that his entire soul is in touch with this holiness. But a person who has a lower level of holiness, the biblical prohibitions should be punished with something very small. And the rabbinical prohibitions shouldn't even apply. But actually, that's not how it works. Because it's the same for everybody. The same for the greatest sadik and the same for the lowest ignoramus. It really doesn't matter. Their soul 
is completely fused with Hashem at the time of a mitzvah, their soul experiences the same level of holiness as does the soul of a tzaddik on Shabbos and on the festivals. Ki achas for we all have one Torah. The laws of the Torah apply equally to all Jews. So on one hand, you can say, oh my gosh, this is so strict. On the other hand, you say, one second, this is love. Judaism, for all of us, it's the same. At the end of the day, the Jewish people are one body. We're literally one figure and we're connected with Hashem. It doesn't matter where we are hierarchically. Somebody comes from the outside and says, oh, this person is great and this person is small. Yeah, from some space, you can measure it that way. But if you go to the core of everything, we're all the same. Hashem doesn't say I'm putting my holiness only on this person and I'm not giving holiness to that person. No, if you're Jewish, you're Jewish. It doesn't matter where you are. We all have one Torah. The laws apply equally to all of us because we experience the same level of holiness. And when I say experience, I don't mean feel. I mean, the fusion is truly happening. The holiness of Shabbos is truly happening. And it's just a question, do we feel it? For most of us, no, we don't. We should try to get in touch with it. And learning what we learned helps us be more excited and tap into that. But Atzadik, whose body has been refined, he really and truly feels it. It doesn't take away from the fact that an ignorant person who's illiterate and doesn't know his soul is flooded with holiness on Shabbos. His soul has a special level of connection on Passover where you're not supposed to eat leaven. This applies equally to him the same way as it does to the greatest tzaddik. From all the above, it becomes entirely, it becomes eminently clear that though a person may not feel the sanctity brought about by the performance of a mitzvah, so much so that he is likened to a beast, nevertheless, through his performance of a mitzvah, this beast is unified with Hashem to the same degree as the greatest sage. Indeed, this is the implication of the verse. I was as a beast before you, yet I am constantly with you. So until now, we were looking at the words of Asaf, and he said, even though he was speaking for the Jewish people at the time of exile, where we really don't feel what's going on, we're completely lacking Da'as, but even though I'm like a beast, I really don't feel it, but it's happening. I need to come in Imach, and it doesn't really matter what level that we're on. The fusion is total and complete for all of us. And that is what he means when he says, I'm like an animal. He's specifically speaking about those Jews who are lacking das, which is most of us, lacking das, so we don't feel that connection that's happening when we do a mitzvah. Now the Alter Rebbe is going to look at the Pasuk and we'll realize that there's something very curious. If you look at the Pasuk, it says everything is in the singular form, but the word behemais is plural. Singular is behema, an animal. I was like a beast before you, but it's not beast. It was I was like beasts before you. So what we're going to look at right now may blow your mind and throw you off a little bit, <laughs> which is good because we can never be in a comfort zone when it comes to Hashem. We have to realize that wherever we are, there's always a level greater. The Altarba now goes on to say that there is a definite reason why the similarity to a beast is described in the plural. I was as behemoths, literally beasts before you. This tells us that the performance of the mitzvah on the level of a beast with neither comprehension nor feeling is related to the spiritual level, which transcends comprehension and feeling. This level too being termed beast, since it is not in the realm of comprehension. Rather, it is transcending it. 
Thus, there are two levels of beasts, that which is lower than the realm of comprehension and that which is above it. Both are alluded to by the same word since the two are connected. So up until now, and this is the basic translation, the Rebbe points out in the letter that this verse talks about the main focus of the verse is somebody who really doesn't feel. Person who really doesn't feel, they're like an animal. Doesn't matter if they're like an animal. Doesn't matter that they don't have da'as. Still, they are always with Hashem. But now we're going to realize, yes, there is a person who lacks da'as. You can't compare him to the person who has da'as because the person who has da'as, when he does a mitzvah, he is in awe of Hashem. He's literally overwhelmed with reverence for him. He is flooded with love for him. He has that experience of what's going on. He experiences the fusion. He has a tremendous, tremendous emotional response. That's true. But in a certain level, whether you have das, whether you don't have das, when it comes to Hashem, everybody's like a beast. And as for the use of the plural form of beasts, which is inconsistent, both with the singular form mentioned earlier, and I am a fool, and with the singular form mentioned later, and I am constantly, this intimates, Lerames is to hint, and the Rebbe stresses that it's just to hint, because this is the second level of interpretation. This is a hint. The basic explanation here is somebody who has no das. You have no das, you're like an animal, okay, but you're always with Hashem. Now we're hinting at something else. This intimates that before him, even Da'as Elyon, supernal knowledge, which comprises Chesed and Gevura, is like beasts. What's Da'as Elyon? Da'as Elyon is the Sephira of Da'as of the world of Atsilas. The world of Atsilas is an infinite world, which is really a contradiction in terms. If it's a world, it's finite. And if it's infinite, it's not a world. But it is. It's an infinite world. Why? Because the sephiris of that world are infinite. But they're limited because they have a description. The second you call something chachma, the second you call something bina or das, it's a limited term. So das is infinite in the world of Atsilas, but it's limited because it's called das. What is das? It's the source of all emotions. That's what bonds the person with what they are, know and understand so that they have an emotional response. And so the essence of the emotions are already present in Da'as. So Da'as Alyan, the Da'as of the world of Atsilas, includes both Chesed and Gevura, which are the, the main emotions, Chesed and Gevura. So Da'as of the world of Atsilas has Chesed and Gevura. And even that high level is like an animal before Hashem. So we're thinking about a tzaddik, a tzaddik of the highest order, that his da'as is on the level of da'as of atzilos, da'as elyain. When he does a mitzvah, he totally and completely experiences the fusion. He's flooded with emotions. Where does he get that from? He gets that from da'as elyain, da'as from the highest world, the world of atzilos. <laughs> well, let's look at this verse. I was like animals. I was like animals with you. Why animals in the plural sense? Well, the basic interpretation is that you don't have das, but you're always with Hashem. But now something else is being hinted. Behemah is in the plural sense because even that highest level where the tzaddik gets his das from, even that level das of the world of Atsilas, that unbounded das, is like an animal before Hashem. 
and a physical creation when compared with the light of the Ainsef, not only is that high level like an animal before Hashem, it's like a physical creation. It's like an inanimate object compared to Hashem. So you can say, I don't feel on that great Zadik feels. There's such a difference between us. Yes, there's huge difference. He totally experiences what is going on and you don't experience it. You're like a donkey carrying explosives. He totally is cognizant of what's happening. He feels the presence of Hashem. That's true. Yet the fusion is the same for both of you. And not only is the fusion the same for both of you, when it comes to a certain space, everybody's like an animal before Hashem. A lady at class last night gave an amazing analogy. She said, you know, down here on the ground, there's a huge difference between a huge mansion and a broken down hut. Get on an airplane. Look down at both of them. They're both the same thing. So depends which space you're looking at it from. When we're going to that space higher and higher, then even the source of the tzaddik zas is like an animal before Hashem. And not just even like an animal, but actually like a physical creation. As it is written, you have made them Asisa, all with wisdom, thereby comparing the level of Chachma, wisdom, with Asiya, physical creation. From Hashem's perspective, Chachma and Asiya are equally distant. So David Melch says it to Helen, How great are your works, Hashem? You have made them all with wisdom. Kabbalistically speaking, when, we, when the Pasuk says, you have made them with wisdom, it's like saying, with a hoe, you have made them. Normally, you say you thought them with wisdom. What does that mean? You made them with wisdom. In this space, Chachma is like a physical creation. But Chachma Asisa means wisdom and Asiya, they're all the same before Hashem. So we're getting to a space where it's beyond even Das Elyai. At that space, everything is like an animal, not just like an animal, like a physical creation. This space is so high. And guess what it too is called? It too, and we're going to look at it, is called an animal. This high divine level where everything is like nothing, where even Da'as Elyain is like a beast, just like a person who lacks Da'as is like a beast. There's a high level called Behema Rabbah, the great beast. High divine level. It's from that space that you're looking down and where everything is the same. Vinikra Behema Rabbah. And it is called Behemaraba, a great beast, denoting that level of beast which transcends understanding rather than that which lacks comprehension, as is explained elsewhere. And this is the level of the supernal name of Ban, one of the four variations of the Tetragrammaton corresponding with the number 52, with the same numerical value of the Hebrew word Behema, beast, which is on the level preceding even Atzilos. So Hashem's name, Yud and He and Vav and He, normally we all know that the numerical value of that is 26. People give tzedakah and multiples of 26 because it's the name of Hashem. It's very special, 26. But there's actually... Ways of spelling out Yod and He and Vav and He with the Miloy. Miloy means fill it out. So instead of writing just Yod for Yod, you write Yod, Vav, Dalit. Then there are three ways to write the letter He. And there are three ways to write the letter Vav. And depending on how you write them out, 
you're going to get a different numerical value. So there's Av, which is 72, Sag, which is 63, Ban, which is 52, and Ma, which is 45, different ways of writing out the name Yud and Hay and Vav and Hay. When you write the name Yud and Hay and Vav and Hay, and you write the Hay's as two Hay's and the Vav as two Vav's, that's how you're spelling Hay as Hay Hay, and you're spelling Vav as Vav Vav, you get the numerical value of Ban, 52. Guess what else has that numerical value? Behema, an animal. This is the Behema Rabbah, the great animal. It's the equivalent of Hashem's name, Ban. It's a very high level, which transcends even Atsilos, which, by the way, the world of Atsilos is connected to Shema, spelling it out to get the numerical value of 45, which is Adam, human. But beyond human, there's animal. There's the animal that is not below understanding. It is beyond understanding. It is Behema Rabbah. At that space, everything is like an animal before Hashem. At that space of Behema Rabbah, both the person who has Das and the person who doesn't have Das and the source of the person's Das, Das Elyain, all of it is like a Behema before Hashem. So up until now, we're saying, okay, look, I'm like a Behema. I don't feel. Yeah, that's true. But go up to a space beyond the world of Atsilas. Go up to a space of the Behema Rabbah, the great animal. Go up to that space of Hashem's name where it's spelled out with the numerical value of 52 Behema. From that high space beyond the world of Atsilas, then even Da'as of Atsilas, Da'as Elyayim, is like an animal before Hashem. And not just like an animal, like a physical creation. Kulam Bachachma Asisa. Chachma and Asiya, they're all on that same level before Hashem. So on one hand, it kind of deflate you like, oh, you're going to tell me there's no difference between a great tzaddik and me? So yes, I know. There's no difference between you and a great tzaddik as far as the fusion that's happening. The fusion that's happening is total and complete, both for the very simple person, as well as for the great tzaddik. They're doing a mitzvah. Their soul is fused with Hashem at that time. What's the difference? The tzaddik has da'as. The, da'a, the tzaddik feels the fusion. For a regular person, they don't feel it. They're like an animal merrily going along and not feeling what's happening. But go to a space higher than that. Who really has da'as? Who really knows Hashem? At that space of the name Ban beyond the world of Atsilas, even da'as of the world of Atsilas is like an animal. And that should actually, instead of getting us disappointed between the distance between us and a tzaddik and say, one second, isn't a tzaddik great? Are we all the same greatness? No, we're not all the same greatness. But this should make us so aware of the fact that Hashem bonds with us in the same way that he bonds with the greatest tzaddik. He gives us literally his very essence and his self in giving us the Torah and mitzvahs. We come to realize that he, the greatest of great, beyond any moral king, came down to the lowest of the low and gave us tremendous love in giving us himself in uniting with us in Torah and mitzvahs, can our heart not melt in response? So here we finish chapter 46, and I'm going to do a quick chapter summary. And the Altar Rebbe said, started the chapter saying that there is a very straight path to coming to love Hashem. Doesn't call upon the divine soul. All it takes is the animal soul, the basic human response, of loving someone who loves you. The love is going to be all the more great if the person who loves you is very great. 
It's going to be all the more great if you're on a very low level. And it's going to be even greater if the love that they show you is tremendous and profound. Let's look at a king who's great and mighty. And he comes to the garbage can and he takes out this despicable person and brings him into his palace. And not just into his palace, into his own private chambers and unites with him in the closest friendship, hugs and kisses. Much more than that did Hashem do for us. He's the greatest of the great. He came down to the obscenity of the earth to bring us lowly people out of there. And what did he do? He unites with us in Torah and mitzvahs. Torah is kisses, mitzvahs are hugs, and the fusion is so total and complete, it's actually like the marriage bond, which is why we say, Asher that he had betrothed us with his mitzvahs. Husband and wife, the Torah says, they become one flesh. That's us, and infinitely more so with Hashem when we do a mitzvah. And the second interpretation of the bracha is, Kiddushanu, he has sanctified us. With what kind of holiness? With his holiness. That space where Hashem surrounds all worlds, where the world are literally nothing before him, nothing can relate to that. Kodesh HaElyon, we are elevated to his level of holiness, Kodesh HaElyon, when we do a mitzvah. That's why we say, Asher Kiddushanu. He has sanctified us. And because of this fusion, that Hashem literally closed and invests himself in our soul when we do a mitzvah. That's why we have to stand up for someone who's doing a mitzvah, even if they are born illiterate. It doesn't matter. Hashem is dwelling in their soul at that time. Yes, we don't feel it. We don't feel it because our body has not been refined. Tzaddikim, whose body has been refined, they feel it. They're, they feel that they're their markava. Guess what? We are also the divine chariot, literally, when we do a mitzvah. Right now we're in exile, and because we're in exile, the darkness is so thick and so strong. So Asaf said about us in the time of the exile, Ba'ani ba'ar eda. I was a fool and I didn't know. I was an animal with you, but I was always with you. Even though I don't know, no, not in the sense of information, but no in the sense of having an emotional response. I don't feel that union that's happening with my soul. Still, I am always with you. It doesn't matter that I don't feel it. I'm like an animal that has no da'as, but that doesn't in any way impede my fusion of soul with Hashem during the time of a mitzvah. And the truth is we can say, I'm like an animal. Why am I like an animal? Because I don't have da'as. Stop. It's not animal. It's behemoth. Animals in the plural. Yes, you don't have da'as. You're like an animal. But you know who else is like an animal before Hashem? Even the source of the tzaddik's da'as. Da'as elyein that's like an animal before Hashem, not just an animal, actually like a physical creation before Hashem. This space, which is beyond the world of Atsilos, Behema Rabbah, is the name Ban, Hashem's name that has the numerical value of Behema, as it's spelled out, Yud Kei in the way that it has the numerical value of Behema. From that space, even Das Elyang is like an animal before Hashem. So, Chami, thank you so much for hostessing class. I'm opening up now for questions and discussion. Next week, no class. Hanukkah is going to be too hard for me to give class. But the next chapter, you guys, is amazing. We're going to see how... <laughs> we're going to see how this Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim happens every single day. It wasn't its one-time event. And we're going to see what Shema is in our accepting this, allowing ourselves to pull this upon ourselves, feel this fusion, and know what's happening. So... Can't wait for that. And then once we finish chapter 47, we're starting Tanya again. Oh, <laughs> 47 chapters? No, it's 53 chapters, but 
my amazing resource only goes through chapter 47. 